Welcome to Money Loves Me, Money Loves Me Not with your host, Don Parks. The show's purpose is to inspire you to get educated, to dig in, take action, and to think about some things differently about reinventing your relationship to money. We all have a relationship to money. Some of it is awesome, some of it is terrible. And we know that given where we're headed, almost all of us need more. We don't like it when money doesn't love us. So this podcast is designed to provide you with information and access to resources you never even imagined. You can watch episodes on YouTube and listen through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and more. For prior episodes, go to www.moneylovesme.show and claim your free gift. Please note, the information provided in this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute any investment, legal, or tax advice. An offer to buy or sell any product or security mentioned or an endorsement of any third-party views. The things we talk about come from sources we believe to be reliable but are not guaranteed to be accurate or complete. All the links and documents we provide are intended as additional educational information and should not be construed as an endorsement of any kind. All examples are for illustrative purposes only. Please contact us directly with questions or your financial professional to get more details. Now, here's the host of the Money Loves Me, Money Loves Me Not podcast, Don Parks. Hello to all of our listeners and visitors to the Money Loves Me, Money Loves Me Not podcast. I'm really excited today to be able to introduce Kevin Clark. Kevin Clark has a business called Art City Tax, but he also is a financial advisor with Ameriprise. And we're really excited to have him share uh, what he's been up to and how he serves um, the creative folks in the world and women in particular who may, I don't know, they're a lot like me, who very smart, figured out a whole lot of things in life, but didn't always figure out the financial side as quickly as I needed to. And boy, Kevin, I sure wish you had been around when I needed you about 25 years ago. Um, it would have been great to have had you in my circle. And I'm just so excited to be able to share with all of our listeners what you're up to. So I'd like to start out by just having you tell our, our listeners your story. How did you wind up? Because you have a kind of a really unique business model from some of the other people that we've been talking to. So go ahead and share a little bit about how you, how you got started and how you wound up with the Arch City Tax business. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for having me on today. And uh, it has been a very interesting path that's got me to where I am today. So I, uh, as you mentioned, am a financial advisor foremost, and I've been doing that now with clients for about eight years. So um, I actually came from a family that has a very long history of advising people about their money. My grandfather, my father, my uncle, all worked in the industry for over 25 years advising clients. Mm -hmm. I personally growing up had no interest in following in their footsteps. Uh, and anytime they tried to talk to me about money, my eyes kind of glazed over after about five minutes, I wanted to go off and do something else that was more interesting. Uh, were you kind of a right brain person as well? I wanted to um, I consider myself a little both. I definitely, if I had to pick one, tend to be more on the left brain side of things. Mm -hmm. um, but I also, at the same time, have certain things that are more right brain that I enjoy. So, uh, for example, I've always been very good at math growing up, but I also loved writing just as much as doing math. So, oh, very cool, very cool. Kind of, yeah. 
Well, so I interrupted you. So you were saying that this has been a family business for a long time and you were like, oh, no, 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 not me. I don't want to. Yeah. So uh, a lot of family tradition in the industry, no personal interest uh, growing up. But at one time I did kind of mention I wanted to be a journalist at one point when I was younger. I talked to other journalists and they talked me out of doing that as a career and focusing more on using that as a skill for something else. And so I went into just a general management course uh, or major at my alma mater, trying to find something that might be interesting. And psychology for a little bit was interesting. That wasn't really interested, though, in going to school eight to 10 years to see that through. Uh, and then uh, it just so happened I eventually had to take an introduction to finance course my sophomore year. And it coincided, it was a few days after Lehman Brothers went out of business right in the depths of the 2008 financial crisis. That was a terrible time. Yes. Um, and so the more I kind of learned the skills involved with doing financial advice and those types of activities, it kind of interested me. It also interested me to hear what was going on outside of my bubble because I was going to school in the middle of a cornfield with about 3,000 other people. Uh, and then over winter break, I came back um, and I was talking to my dad a little bit. And my dad uh, at that point, every day was coming home looking like he had been beaten up in a fight, um, just completely worn down. Um, so I could see it was physically wearing on him. But then when I went and talked to his friends and clients, people that he had worked with for a number of years, all of them seemed very much relaxed and uh, basically just kept saying that we've worked with Bob for years and years. He's gotten us through tough times before. We know he's going to get us through tough times again. Aww. And that level of relationship is really what pushed me in the direction of pursuing financial advice as a career. I started at Fidelity for two years. I then uh, worked at a large wirehouse firm with really high net worth families for about three and a half years. And then eventually I got to the point where uh, I wanted to own my own business. And I also wanted to be able to branch out and serve people that uh, were not yet rich, but had those aspirations or just needed to build habits. A lot of people that were kind of more in my age demographic that were just starting out. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to my current company where I am an independent advisor with Ameriprise and then took the next step of uh, two years ago, opening a tax firm because I had a lot of longtime people I've worked with all saying that it would be so much easier to just bring that underneath the umbrella of all the other things that we do together. And mm -hmm. it's worked out tremendously so far uh, as being an additional value add I can bring to people. You know, that's really very interesting how you how you got there. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Given that yeah. everybody had said they were really hoping you'd step into the business, but you had to find it in your own way, which I think is a lot of the things that that people, when they think about investing and they think about money, you, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make them drink unless they understand that they're thirsty, right? And you had this moment when you realized you were thirsty, like you you realize that why people were asking you to come into the business was really because you had a knack for it. It isn't, it isn't like you're expected to be in the family business. It's just that you did, they knew that you would be great at it. 
but I love the story about how you sought out understanding like what your dad had done for all of these people all of these years. I think that's extremely valuable, right? Because you probably wouldn't have done yeah. it if they had said, oh my God, we're shaking in our boots. We're not sure what to do here because 2008 was a very scary time. Exactly. Yeah, that, that's really what pushed me in that direction. Uh, the The stories never get publicized as some as much as others, but uh, just those moments when you can see the weight lifted off somebody's shoulders when they kind of have that eureka moment of realizing that everything that they want to accomplish in life, they've now gotten to a point where they can do it. Mm -hmm. Those are the kinds of moments that my dad lived for and that I live for and that really make me passionate about what I do. Well, you know, when we first were getting started and I said, I wish you had been around, like if I had known who you were back in the day. And I don't say that lightly, because um, in 2008, on the day that Lehman Brothers crashed, they closed the division of the consulting firm I was working for. Oh. It started this really fast downhill problem within, you know, all of my own personal investments. And then I got a divorce. And then, you know, like within a year, I had to file bankruptcy. And there, there just weren't people like you around who could kind of help me claw my way out, right? It right. was, you, you know, it, it, they still wanted to talk to, everybody was still wanting to talk to people who had 100,000 or 200,000. And while I still had, I had my investments that I had had over the years, I, I wasn't ready to pull all those out and move them. I needed to learn. And it sounds like that in this role that you have, being your own independent advisor, you can, you can choose to work with different kinds of people. You don't have some sort of, I mean, you probably have some sort of minimum. You probably don't work with people who only have $5 in their pocket. They probably need to use that to, you know, especially yeah. with gas prices today to get to work. But, <laughs> but, but, you, but you don't have, so say a little bit more about um, why being an independent advisor was so attractive versus working with one of the big houses. I think that's important for our people to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, one of the things that I eventually kind of got frustrated with, um, I had overall very good experience with the wirehouse that I was working for, but you kind of mentioned uh, they really cater exclusively to people that are already wealthy. So they had a very high minimum initial investment to be able to work with an advisor like myself. Uh, and it really screened out a lot of people that needed help, in my opinion, a lot more than people that have already been been that wealthy. Uh, the odds are that people that have that amount of wealth already have really good disciplined financial habits, um, and they've gotten through that struggle. Whereas I wanted to also, in addition to working with those people, be able to work with people that are just starting out, that are graduating, that have a lot of student debt, that are going through some type of major life event, um, and they don't have a lot of money saved in the bank or in their retirement accounts yet, but they want to start building those habits to eventually get to that point down the line. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing that uh, I found in my current firm is that I can do both. So I can continue to help those wealthy clients with managing their assets and just uh, making sure that they can continue to draw off them to afford their lifestyle and retirement. But I can also work with people, um, that don't have money at all saved, maybe even have a negative net worth when considering all their debt that they're coming out of school with. 
uh, and just building those financial habits. And in those cases, I just do that through basically a subscription. So kind of like any other thing that people are doing right now with Netflix or Hulu, Amazon Prime, you know, all these business models, even gym memberships are going towards just paying a monthly rate every month. And that's how I work with a lot of younger clients um, and people that are starting out now is they pay me a flat amount every month. They can cancel it any month. They feel they're not getting value, but we just have discussions and um, I help advise them on whatever's going on in life to start building those steps and eventually having a path to reach whatever's most important to them, whether it's a short-term goal or looking out 30 years to eventual retirement. You know, Kevin, I didn't realize you did that. That's so cool because quite often, especially when it comes to, to women um, and younger women, there's people who are left-brained, right? They're very linear, yep. logical. They understand compound interest. They understand that, you know, there's a, there are rules and we have to follow them. But quite often the women in the family are the ones who are responsible responsible or they take on the responsibility. I don't know that anybody says it's your job, but it's the things like who's going to pay for ballet lessons. And, you know, do we really, this couch really hurts and I don't want to sit on this couch anymore. I need a better experience when I come home from work after a tough day at the, at the office, right? Or planning for vacations, which are more short term, medium term, experiential kinds of things but they also know they need to think about the future, but they can't even, I mean, they're young. They, they don't even know how to think about the future. How do you, is there, is there a, and I'm, I might be putting you on the spot here, but is there a particular way you talk to them about the future, especially when they're really young? Yeah, that's definitely difficulty. Uh, and especially as we're talking now uh, in March, where we've gone through a stretch of a difficult start to the year for the stock market. Um, you can trot out any statistics about long-term investing and how if you keep your money invested for five, 10 years and beyond, then you're going to make money mm -hmm. more often than not. Um, people don't think that way, uh, especially when they have a scarcity mindset, when they're very focused on budgeting or making sure they don't spend above their means early on. Uh, and when, you know, the money that they do have saved starts to decline in value, even if it's just uh, for a short time. So uh, it's very much uh, you kind of need to meet people where they are, um, mm -hmm. whether they're in a good mindset or a cautious mindset. Uh, and it's really just about uh, more often than not just listening and, and understanding their perspective on how they think of things. Everybody comes from uh, a different background and the upbringing I found that somebody goes through uh, basically how their parents or family thought about or managed money has a direct impact on how most people manage or think about money themselves. Mm -hmm. So kind of discovering that story with them, helping them to kind of understand how it impacts their way of thinking uh, and really just making it uh, a side-by-side -side walk rather than trying to force them into a certain way of doing things, even if you know in your mind that's what they should do. Uh, it really is just kind of a process that's unique with each individual client, which is another thing I really love is, uh, you know, there's no two situations that are the same. 
I love that customization and individualization that you do. I think that's really important. And, um, you know, when we go back to the subscription model that you're talking about, you have all kinds of opportunities then to educate them so they can see a different path forward, right? Absolutely, yeah. The, the idea is, um, one, it's it goes with their income, so it's easy to budget for. Two, uh, it gives them access to, so I have a few different designations and certifications, but the first one that I got, the one I use the most is certified financial planner. Uh, it gives them access to basically being able to think about uh, all the different things that can impact your wallet or your bank statement. So anything from just basic budgeting to saving to retirement to you know, things like when you get a job offer, evaluating all the benefits that come with that. Uh, it really is um, a way that they can get advice on anything and everything. Uh, whereas uh, typically in the past, people that are starting out or that haven't built up enough wealth yet, try to have to figure that out themselves. And um, it takes a lot of training to, to be oh. able to evaluate and understand that. So the ability to kind of walk with them and uh, provide my thoughts and expertise where they need it on whatever's most important is really exciting. Oh, no, I love that. I love that. Cause you know, there was a time when people would say, don't, you know, you need a good financial advisor, but you can't trust your financial advisor because so now you need to go and get the information yourself. And, it, and if you're not wired that way, then you get kind of paralyzed and you just don't do anything at all. Right. So right. one of the things, so as an independent financial advisor, you're a fiduciary, right? Versus yes. versus someone who might be working for one of the big warehouses. Do you want to say a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I found that it really doesn't come down to when you talk about fiduciary versus suitability or different standards it's not really a matter of which firm you work for or even which certification you have, which all the certifications I have come with a fiduciary standard. Um, really, it just goes to the mindset of the advisor of, oh. um, I've, I've had, you know, very great fiduciary minded advisors that I worked with at the wirehouse that, uh, you know, will sacrifice, any type of sale if it's not in the best interest of a client. I've seen the opposite uh, at you know places that bill themselves as investment advisor fiduciary firms. So um, I really don't think it comes down to the firm. It really just comes down to the individual advisor. But I will say a kind of a good way to just sort through and see you know which is somebody that's more serious about this than not is looking for that CFP certification or some type of letters after a person's name and just asking them, you know, what goes into earning those letters? What did you have to do? Um, and typically if it's a rigorous process like the CFP has, uh, it's somebody that's really serious about offering good advice and advice that mostly, uh, well, not mostly, advice that always is in clients mindset first rather than advisors. You know, I, I like what you're saying there because 
you know, if you if you wind up talking to an advisor who doesn't want to explain things or feels like they sh they don't need to they don't need to tell you about their knowledge or their processes, and they really are more, uh, for lack of a better word, parental, right? Just listen sure. to me. I know what's best. Now, some people really need a parental kind of advisor. And there are clients out there who are looking for people who just want somebody to tell them what to do. I don't want to ask any questions. I trust you. Go do it. Just like you would with a parent. But especially now when you start to deal with um, people who are more mature in their careers, right? And they do have choices and they're smart enough, but they, this is their hard earned money. I like this idea of, it's almost like an interview, right? An interview. Absolutely. Of, of a, of a financial planner or an investment advisor, right? So. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. I, I've worked for somebody that was exactly that. Um, and our personalities clashed a little bit at times because uh, he very much was that type of person of, you know, my clients are coming to me for me to tell them what to do. Uh, and it was kind of a non-negotiable from the start with him that if he tells you to do something, you have to do it. Um, there's not really a conversation. I've never liked that mindset. Um, personally, it, it would kind of rub me the wrong way if I was on the other side of the table. Uh, and I tend to attract people that are similar in the fact that they want more of a consultative type of relationship where we're arriving at decisions together, even mm -hmm. if I'm subconsciously maybe nudging them in a certain direction. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's kind of the, uh, the biggest takeaway that I've given to people, whether they're coming into the industry or whether they're searching for a financial advisor, we have all types in our industry and it really is just down to who do you really kind of match with from a personality standpoint, who's going to give you the type of relationship that you want. Uh, and, you know, I'm not right for everybody. The person I talked about is not right for everybody. My dad wasn't right for everybody. But there is somebody out there uh, if you just kind of feel a connection there that can give you the type of relationship to be comfortable sharing and doing those things financially. Mm. So be patient. Take your time. It's your yes. hard earned money. Make sure that you have the ability to talk to someone and express your worries, your concerns, your fears and things of that nature. Exactly. I, I always encourage if somebody comes to me looking to hire me or an advisor, uh, even if they feel that we're a good fit from the first start, I always encourage them to at least talk with a couple others just to make sure because, um, you know, there might be somebody out there that actually is a better fit for them. And I certainly wouldn't want to be a person that's holding them back from the ideal partner to work with them on their finances. Wow. Well, so that's brave and it's generous, but it speaks to how you have these really long-term clients, right? Who not only just want to work with you on the investment side, but they also realize that there's other services that they need and they don't, they don't want to go anywhere else. So right. you, you have this other business as well. So can you say a little bit about how you developed Arch City Tax and a little bit of, about that and who, who can work with, people at Arch City Tax, that would be great. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I've kind of always had a little bit of an interest in tax. I feel that it is um, 
something that is kind of very understudied or very um, the the advice is not given as much as it should be uh, from financial advisors historically. Okay. Um, so I kind of just in doing my different certifications and learning on my own built up a pretty good knowledge base of how taxes work from the standpoint of investment accounts or I actually have tended to draw small business owners to me because I'm a small business owner myself, mm -hmm. learning the taxation that uh, those types of people deal with that are starting their own companies. Uh, and I eventually just got to a point where you kind of mentioned, I tend to have fewer relationships than most, but they're deeper, longer relationships that are more of you know, one-stop shop types of experiences. I got to a point about uh, beginning of 2020 where I was doing my you know, quarterly reviews with some of the clients that I've worked with for pretty much my entire career for the most part. And three or four of them right in a row were all saying that uh, they needed a recommendation for a tax advisor. Or they had issues with their tax advisor. They felt like they weren't really giving them planning to the degree that they should have. Um, and I, I just kept kind of hearing over and over from these people, you know, it, it would be so much easier since you know everything about us financially. If you could just do taxes, then it would basically fold into everything else we do and we wouldn't potentially have this disconnect of trying to relay between you and our tax person vice versa when we're not really equipped to to phrase it in the exact manner we should if there's a question or a concern and enough people did that that i i looked into our policy at ameriprise uh and ameriprise is not a tax advisor most financial companies aren't, but they do give you the ability to create your own tax company that is independent of Ameriprise. And so I pursued that and I, I got a tax certification through the IRS, the enrolled agent that uh, is kind of on par with the CPA, but hmm. specifically versed in taxes rather than accounting. Oh, um, got it. Okay. Yeah. I. I I kind of didn't really get the distinction there either when I started that certification uh, and how distinct those two fields are. But after I kind of felt I had enough knowledge, I launched that company at the end of 2020, figured it would be maybe seven to 10 people. Uh, it turned into 38 returns that I filed last year. Oh, wow. This year, um, it's significantly more to the point where I've um, actually hired a couple of interns out of accounting school here at Ohio State uh, that are helping me. But, uh, you know, it's it's growing monumentally because uh, there is kind of a, a big market in there of people that are a little more sophisticated than TurboTax or they want somebody that's actually going to give them advice on what to do next with their taxes versus just mm -hmm. filing at the end of the year. But at the same time, they're not so complex that they need to go out and hire somebody that's been doing it for 20 years. That's going to charge them a really high fee mm -hmm. for something that uh, is still kind of relatively simple compared to the more complex cases that those people tend to prefer to work with. Well, no, I, so I think it's, it's so cool that you can follow them along. And then if they say, well, 
tell me about cryptocurrency. Can you get me into Bitcoin or Ethereum? And then you can, then you, you, you have the knowledge as the advisor of what to do, or maybe they want to get into, you know, some of the Tesla stuff or just something that's more risky. Um, and then you can talk to them about, so if that, if those, if, if those stocks go up or down, then these are the tax implications so that when we do your taxes at the end of the year, you're not surprised. Whereas I, maybe a lot of other advisors may not be able to say, hey, that looks like a good idea. We'll do that based on, you know, whatever their background and knowledge is. But you have a second hat on all the time where you can be guiding them at the moment of purchase what, what the potential downstream implications are on their income, plus putting more, if you put more away or if you put it away this way versus that way, you have better, you're really leveraging your investment better because you actually have that tax background. Ah, that is just so yeah. cool. I, I, I always kind of make the joke that, uh, you know, I don't wear two hats. I'm, I'm wearing my Ameriprise hat. And now I got to take that off and put on the Arch City hat when I'm advising on taxes. But um, yeah, it, it is something in that my clients that asked for that have been really satisfied with the fact that uh, it now is much more of an integrated type of advice model where, you know, a, a classic example of, which type of retirement account should I save to? Because mm -hmm. there's a bunch of different ones out there. They're all kind of taxed a little differently, have different rules or limits. Um, the ability to actually not say, go to your tax advisor and have them tell you, but to actually be able to compute the income, figure out, well, this is probably the best bet for looking at future tax projections, or you know, this is the best option if you're gonna have a side business. It really does expand the ability to give much more customized advice rather than potentially having to draw somebody in that may not be as versed in, you know, investments like I am. So, so I'm, I'm left thinking with, from the tax side, if, if you're not doing the bookkeeping and per se, right. Mm -hmm. the, um, do you then work with their bookkeepers or their accountants or something like that? If they're, you know, like they're having to figure out how they're going to do, if they've got a side hustle where they're doing, you know, like quarterly tax payments or things of that nature. So sometimes, you know, like a CPA or somebody will work with all of the financial team. Do you also yeah. do that as well to make sure you're getting all the right information? Yeah. So if they have other outside professionals, I absolutely do take a partnership approach to that as well. And uh, we try to collaborate with, our client together to make okay. sure things are as easy as possible for them. But at the same time, when I started it and even to now, I kind of know my limitations. So uh, I know personal taxes inside and out. I know single owner business taxes for the most part, but if it gets into like a really complex corporation or something that requires really detailed extra bookkeeping where, you know, the, ledger that you have for your accounting looks a lot different than the taxes. Uh, I kind of know where my point is where I need to recommend that they go to an expert for that. So I kind of try to keep myself in a situation where I know the ins and outs really well. I can offer them attractive price point and service model. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that I can do it um, very competently 
Whereas, you know, things like setting up and monitoring payroll, doing corporate finance accounting, those are things I'm absolutely going to find a full-time accounting firm that's really versed in those skills to do that port and potentially either partner with them or just work alongside them while they take care of all of that side of things. Well, and I thank you for not messing with my money and yeah. <laughs> knowing where the limits are because there's nothing, I mean, of all the things to mess with with somebody, don't be messing with their hard-earned money, right? And pretend you know what you're doing or I'll figure it out. You know, I love that. I love that. Well, so Kevin, what else do you want to tell us about how you, you know, how you work? What are some things that our listeners might want to know about you? So you're in, you're in the Columbus, Ohio area, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so are you limited to the Columbus area for working or you have all of Ohio? Can you cross boundaries? Just what else do, should people know if they have an interest in learning more about you? Yeah, so um, I am able to work well outside of Ohio. So even though I am based in Columbus, I have clients all over the United States. Um, I have clients that I've worked with for years that I've never actually met in person. So um, oh, be before Zoom was a thing. <laughs> before Zoom was a thing, yeah. Um, so uh, I, I do have the ability to service anybody wherever they are in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I, uh, I think kind of the main thing is just uh, if this kind of resonates with somebody or uh, they want to learn a little bit more about what it looks like, whether they want a local face-to-face -face relationship or virtual, they're always welcome to reach out to me. Um, but I, I'm really uh, just glad to be here and uh, I think the other thing that really drew me to Shimala is just kind of the mission that you have going on right now uh, to really help women, especially uh, women investors are another one that somehow that I kind of naturally have attracted a lot of single women, uh, whether they're never married, divorced, widowed. Um, I tend to work with a lot more women than most of the other people in my office. Uh, and so uh, I really am a big proponent of making sure that that demographic that's historically been underserved and frankly underestimated gets the type of respect and service they need. Oh, thank you, Kevin, because we really need people who are not doing who are not working with women out of pity or because it's some big market opportunity. I mean, it is a big market opportunity, but we really do especially women who are like 40 plus, or even when I look at my daughter who just graduated from college, you know, she had one accounting class in college and they all were, they had to do it over Zoom while they were seniors. And, it, you know, they, they, it was like, oh my God, I'm going to need five roommates. And, and, you know, even if I make $50,000 coming out, there's no money for anything anymore. And they're all in a panic. Right. And then in high school, they got like a three week. Here's what a checkbook looks like. Really? Who looks at checkbooks now? I mean, not applicable information. And so then fast forward in 15 years, they're terrified. They're living on credit cards. They don't know how to get out of the, the cycle. And they've got very immediate family needs. And for someone like you who has a has a true commitment to, to having 
people like us who want to do things, but just missed the knowledge boat at some point for some reason, because back then we, we just, we just didn't teach it. Right. And if you didn't feel like you were good at math, you were out of luck. Nobody was going to sit down and, and, and help you out. So what you're doing is great. And so, and to recap for our listeners, you know, one of the things that Kevin does, which is so great is not only does he provide financial planning services, um, he's got this really great subscription model where you can pay a flat fee. He'll work with you on whatever that flat fee is. Uh, he's got some calculation how he does that. But you can talk to him, you know, on a monthly basis about what you're thinking about, what you're doing. He can teach you things, even if you're not quite ready to invest yet. Right, Kevin? Is that, have I got that right? Yeah. Uh, I've got people on the subscription model that either aren't able to invest yet or just getting started or even um, people that are somewhat wealthy already, but they don't want somebody helping them manage their money. They they want to do that themselves and they just need, need advice on everything else. No, I think that's awesome. That's awesome. And then, then he's also able to work with you. He's an independent financial advisor and he's got a tax business that's separate. So, you know, whether you are just starting out of school and you're not even sure where to start or you're heavy in debt or you're just divorced or your spouse has died, no matter where you are, he's got a place where you can fit in his world and he'll give you the personalized attention that you need all the way up to now I've got, I've, I've been building things and I've got taxes. Now what do I do? And it's, it's a very different kind of one-stop shop. And I'm just so glad that you took time out of this busy tax season to talk to us. Cause I know that you probably have piles of things, especially now that you've got so many more clients now in the tax side. I just can't say thank you enough for spending time with us today. It's really been informative and um, we'll make sure that all of your information is in the podcast details so people can reach out to you. But thank you again, Kevin, for spending time with me today. Thank you, Donna. It's been a pleasure and really grateful for all you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for watching and listening to another episode of the Money Loves Me, Money Loves Me Not podcast with your host, Don Parks. You can catch prior episodes at moneylovesme.show featuring YouTube videos and links to your favorite podcast app. As a thank you for giving us a positive podcast review or social media comment, you can claim your free gift at moneylovesme.show.